Hello and welcome again to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation. I'm the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. Solo again as I'm coming to you from my basement for the foreseeable future. I already knew that I was going to be sitting down here in the basement for uh, another couple of months, at least till the end of the year. And now it sounds like I'm going to be here until maybe spring. <laughs> so, so I got that going for me. At least I'll be at home, um, which has its benefits and has uh, its issues at the same time. Because I am my own uh, IT guy, I'm my own um, engineer guy, own broadcast guy, technical guy. So, uh, you know, I got I to gotta do all of that stuff. And I'm now starting to notice what the stay-at-home... Uh, working conditions is costing me um, in the form of higher water bills and higher electric bills. That that was quite eye-opening in the uh, mail the other day, as well as internet. I had to get unlimited internet at my house because I am blowing through. The, apparently, there's a cap of 1.2 terabytes of data that you're supposed to have at your house. Well, I'm broadcasting from the house using the Wi-Fi, uh, using our uh, internet connection. Plus, I have all these computers and things that are hooked up back to the TV station. And I am going through about three terabytes of data a month. And so I blew through that cap pretty quickly. I needed to uh, get a hold of the uh, internet company and, and upgrade the internet. Um, so that's called, and then by the way, there's about, uh, four inches or five inches of snow in my backyard right now. Get this labor day. This is labor day week. Labor day was Monday, a couple of days ago, uh, as I record this and Monday afternoon was the last time we could go to our community pool. So we signed up and we took that last time slot. We were at the pool. It got started getting a little bit cool, but it was still pretty nice. It was the, the, it was, the day was uh, hot. It was up in the 90s. And uh, Tuesday morning, there were a few inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> Today, uh, a couple of days later, I, I have I have nearly half a foot. So that's great. And uh, so it's you know we went from spring to winter without we just skipped right over fall because you know. 2020. If you want to get a hold of the show, here's the number 303-832-0217. By the way, if you were trying to call and the number wasn't working, well, that was apparently totally my fault because I discovered the voicemail was a bit messed up. So I fixed it. Uh, I hope I fixed it. I think I fixed it. I called it the other day and it worked. So give it a shot to see if it's working and you can leave me a message at the same time. But 303 803- 8320217 is that contact number. You can also get that number here on the description of the podcast. Um and we know that it can get pretty warm in airplanes at times, especially in the summer on a hot humid day if you're in one of those areas in the south where it gets really hot and humid. Well, apparently it gets pretty hot and humid maybe in your in the Ukraine because a mother of two who was on a plane in the Ukraine and she decided that it was just too hot in the plane, so she opened up the emergency door that was over the wing, and she stepped outside just to take a nice little cool stroll. <laughs> the The folks on the ramp, the uh, gate uh, guys down there on the ramp, the ramp uh, rats as they call them, uh, started taking video of this woman who was walking around on the wing of the plane. The wing's strong enough to hold the woman on the plane. That wasn't the issue. 
The issue was she opened up the emergency door and then stepped outside <laughs> onto the wing when she wasn't supposed to be doing that. And there was video of it. And she said that she just wanted to, quote, get some air because she was, quote, too hot. She walked around the wing for a little bit, sat down for a little bit, chilled out for a little bit, eventually before wandering back into the cabin. The Ukraine International Airlines, 737, it touched down at Kiev's airport. It had taxied from the runway to the terminal to wait for passengers to get out. But she, I guess, was not okay with the waiting part and wanted to make her own exit. Now, according to the reports, the woman who was traveling with her husband and a couple of kids, they they didn't even have that much longer to wait. Apparently, she was almost ready to get off the plane the right way, down the jetway. (laughs) The pilot sounded the alarm when the door opened up, and police and an ambulance and the border guards were all called over. She was tested for both drugs and alcohol, but they didn't find any of that in her system. But when she was questioned by police, she simply told them that she was too hot and had to open the door. The airline has now confirmed that the woman has been banned from future flights, saying her actions was a gross violation of aviation safety rules and behavior on board. You think? Well, it happens. I mean, sometimes you can get warm on an airplane. I know. I've been hot in an airplane. You just you just take it and you and you you wait and you get off. There have been times I've wondered if there was a recall on my car, because when you buy a car, especially if you buy a used car, you don't necessarily register it with uh, the with a dealer or with the manufacturer. So how do you know when there's a recall? There were 53 million vehicles recalled last year and vehicles and car seats and tires but many of those recalls don't get repaired because you don't know that there's actually a recall until you take it to let's say a a shop and if they don't look up the vin number and look for a recall then they're they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you well there was a 2017 detroit free press story that put the number of unrepaired vehicles under recall at 30 percent that's a lot of cars And now, if you want to find out if there's a recall on your car, there's a free app. It comes from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And you just download it to your phone. I I tried this. It it just takes a few seconds. It's a lot easier to find now if there's a recall on your car and what to do about it. Because once you download this app, it's called Safer Car. You enter your vehicle identification number. uh, Or if you have information about other equipment in in your car, like car seats or your tires, whatever. Then you will get notifications if there is a recall on your car. The app checks for recalls daily. It sends alerts to your phone if there is a recall issued or if you have some unrepaired recalls on your vehicle that you need to get taken care of. It will also direct you to a dealership that makes those repairs. So it's pretty simple. It's all free. It's from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. It's called Safer Car. It's pretty easy to use. I have it. I'm uh, recall-free, as far as I know, so uh, that's that's good. So give it a shot. One of my reporter friends who used to work at Denver 7 News is now over at our competitor, 9 News. His name is Marshall Zellinger. He uh, wrote an interesting story recently about what the city of Denver wants to do with their roads, and I think it's really indicative of what other major cities want to do with their roads as well. What's happening here in Denver 
is not new. It's happening in New York City. It's happening in Nashville. It's happening in all major big towns where you have mayors who want to, and and other pedestrian zealots, who want to basically remove every car from a downtown area and only make it for people who are walking or biking. So this is what Marshall wrote in this story. He writes, in the city of Denver's inverted transportation pyramid, cars are at the bottom. This is the best part. He says, if it were a food pyramid, cars would be the equivalent of junk food. At the top, where the grains would be, you find pedestrians. Bicyclists are the fruit and the vegetables. How great is that? It really is a very good analogy for what cities want to do with their transportation infrastructure in their downtown cores. They want to have an inverted uh, food pyramid with cars at the bottom equal to junk food. That's exactly right. He says, cycling enthusiast Jonathan Fertig says, clearly, if you walk around the city or drive around the city, that's not how the hierarchy has been for the last 60 years, unquote. Fertig has skimmed through the Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure's 112-page Complete Streets Design, which is a blueprint for the future of Denver's transportation infrastructure. Mr. Fertig says, quote, There's a lot of people who are going to be losing access to cars in the coming month, and they're going to need a way to get around the city, and they're going to need to do it safely, unquote. In his idea, Mr. Fertig, he wants everybody to get around the city on a bike without cars anywhere near him. That's how he would do it safely. Exactly right, like, just like that's That's what his goal is. There is a Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure planner who says, quote, just because a street has been used for cars since you've lived here or since growing up doesn't mean it always has to be that way. Unquote. How do you get a driver to feel less possessive of the road when streets have traditionally been built for cars? The planner says, quote, you can give people visual and physical clues that say, oh, I can't go fast down here. When we see someone coming the opposite direction, I'm going to have to slow down here because there are parked cars on the other side. No one says, I see that car coming. I'm going to gun it. You know, you slow down and negotiate, unquote. Well, that's true. That's one of the techniques that many areas, transportation planners use to slow down traffic, traffic calming devices, allow parking on both sides of a street, and therefore there is less room in the main lane there. And this is really for residential streets and streets that aren't supposed to be carrying a whole lot of traffic. And then when you do pass somebody, you are typically going slower because there isn't a whole lot of room to pass that person. That's natural, right? That's a natural way to do it. Not necessarily just closing all traffic, uh, all streets to traffic, and then creating only bike-only lanes. This is, those are two different things. All right, back to the article. And, and this is the best part of what the planner says. This, this is the, 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 the heart of the matter. This is, the, this is really the meat and bones right here. He says, quote, I'm not trying to convince anyone to change their behavior. But the more people that are riding bikes, the fewer people that are driving cars, unquote. There it is. There it is. That's, that, that is it. That is it. 
That's the that's the thing. He says he's not trying to convince anyone to change their behavior, but he wants people on their bikes and not in their car. It's not necessarily true that if you get somebody out of their car, they're naturally just going to go onto a bike. Not everybody wants to be on a bike. They're, they're, it's very frustrating for me when, when I hear people that say, just get on your bike. Well, no, I don't. That, that's not convenient for a lot of people. Maybe walking. I know a lot of people in New York City. They, they just walk around. That's fine. But they also use taxis. They also use Ubers. They use Lyft. They have the subway. They have, they have other ways to get around that aren't as intrusive to travel. And they also allow people to drive around. Now, of course, they're charging them money to do that. But they haven't closed off everything uh, in Manhattan to uh, let people drive around yet. And David is correct that he isn't convincing anyone. Because you're not asking you're not suggesting, you're not making an argument that makes someone want to change their behavior. What you're doing is using your position in the Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure to force people into the behavior that you want them to follow. When a city changes a travel lane, a regular car lane, into a 24-7 bus lane, and that's it, you're actually not utilizing that lane to its utmost capacity. You're not. The buses aren't running all the time. You could you could make it a shared lane of some sort. You aren't. You just don't want people driving in that lane because then it squeezes the other lanes. Or, or you take another lane and you and you make it only into a bike lane. There's there aren't that many people on a bike that there are more people using cars than using bikes. Now I know you want to force people out of their car and therefore that would bring more bikes. That not isn't necessarily the case. It's just not. When a, when when a city does this, when when people in the city government are doing this, forcing you to change your behavior to suit their desires of killing off all personal vehicles. That's what their idea and their goal has been for years now. Kill off personal vehicles, especially in the downtown core of any downtown. So it doesn't matter if you're in Seattle or you're in Kansas City, you're in Houston, wherever you are. If you have a downtown area, their goal is to get rid of your car, period. I think we're getting to this point, as I mentioned either last week or the week before, that that urban downtown areas are going to be eventually closed off to everything except maybe delivery traffic, and people will be forced to either ride a bike or walk in those areas. They might allow rideshare vehicles in those areas with special designations or stickers or or uh, permits to go around those areas to help people get from one place to another place if they can't, let's say you're at the convention center and you need to get a uh, to a lunch meeting across the downtown area, it's maybe not practical for some people to walk. Let's say they're holding a whole bunch of convention-related stuff and they might need a car or a ride or a taxi, something like that. So they might allow the Ubers or the Lyfts and the taxis to still stay in a downtown area, but pretty much keep out everybody else's personal vehicle uh, or delivery traffic, and, and then you're, you're only going to be able to have to walk or, or bike in these areas. Th- look, that's fine. A- as long as you give me the choice not to be, I don't have to be there. I don't have to go down there. Not everybody 
has to go down there. And I, and I hope that they don't try to expand their thinking into an entire state where it's just not practical to keep everybody out of a car. I mean, there, there, there's other places I can go and I can shop and I can eat. Uh, I, I work in a, in, a, in a place that's, well, I, I work right now in my basement, but my employer is in downtown Denver, not in the real tight core, but just outside of that, still in an area where I think they wouldn't close it off. Well, it might be pretty close. I mean, but look, I don't want to live that way. So that's why I choose to live outside of that way, outside of the urban core. And besides, downtown areas could really be changed for years or even decades, even after this pandemic is is totally over. Commercial real estate is going to be taking a huge hit over the next year. Have you noticed around your town how you can see a lot of vacancy signs where a business used to be? Have you been to the mall lately where stores are not as flourishing as they used to? Have you been around some of these urban cores where some of them have been nearly abandoned? Commercial real estate, I think, is going to be taking a huge hit over the next year or maybe even longer. And those building owners are going to be hurting or maybe even lose their buildings due to foreclosure. And then somebody else is going to buy them up for much less money. And there's going to be that turnover, of course. I really think there's a monumental shift happening right now. And we're just seeing the first mile of a very long road. But that road for a lot of folks into a downtown area really comes down to no cars, only bikes and traffic. All right, I'm going to get back to this article here by Marshall Zellinger in, uh, from Nine News Denver. There's a section in the Complete Streets design on shared streets that creates the idea that cars are the guests on the road, similar to how the city converted Bannock Street in front of the city and county building into a pedestrian bike-only road with limited vehicle access. A shared street is also what many residential streets have become since the pandemic. Well, let me stop there for just a second. That street right in front of the city and county building, it was used. It's actually a nice little cut through, but it's not like it's the end of the world for that little bitty street to be closed off to cars. It's It, it would be nice to have it still there. It, it saves you a little bit of time, but it's it's not the end of the world. All right, back to the, back to the article from Marshall. A shared street is also what many residential streets have become since the pandemic. For instance, 16th Street East of downtown has be, been blocked off to through traffic. Marion Parkway near Washington Park is another example, as well as 11th Avenue and Congress Park. There's also a section for creating a new interstate for bicycles. The Cherry Creek South Platte Trail is considered the bicycle highway right now. The future bicycle interstate would be 20 feet wide in each direction. Now look, that's the best idea I've seen in this plan. Create an off-roadway bike and pedestrian path that is just for them. That is what cities should be looking at doing. Wider sidewalks and maybe wider bikeways or, or a combination of a bikeway sidewalk off the roadways. It's safer for everyone if they're all separated from each other. How many times have you been walking and been mad at a person on a bike because they were going too fast? I saw a video recently of this. It, it looked like a monorail, but it was hanging down instead of on top. So you know the monorail that's at Disney World where it's... It, has one rail. Um, everybody's so excited about a monorail. It's just basically a train 
that sits on this one track that's up in the air. Well, it was the same basic idea, except it was hanging down. And I was thinking, this is brilliant. Put all the people in this thing that is up and around the city, so it's off the street, so you're still allowing cars to go around the street. You put people in this thing so they can move across the town pretty easily. And then why can't you have some kind of a bikeway doing the same thing up there? That's the best idea. You separate everybody because then it's safer. I mean, honestly, how many times have you have you been walking in a sidewalk and, a, and somebody in a scooter or or skateboard or a bike just whizzes by you so fast and you almost get hit? It's better to separate everybody from each other, unfortunately. All right, but back to the beginning of this piece by Marshall, where he equates the city's desire to make the transportation pyramid like the food pyramid where cars are the junk food. He's exactly spot on. Bikes and pedestrian zealots equate cars to how vegans see a burger. Their ultimate desire is to see all cars go away and have everyone on a bike. There's no negotiation or compromise. Cars are bad, period. That's it. And it was stunning to me when I was when I was reading these quotes from this planner from the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure that basically says we are going to change the way you get around town because we want you out of your car. <laughs> We're going to force you to get out. So that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the cities. So there you go. Now, look, I, I like, I like bikes. I ride a bike. I like walking. That's fine. But I, I, it just concerns me that they're, they're putting one form of transportation over another. I'm, you're going to say, hey, aren't you doing the same thing? No, everybody can share the space. I'm not saying eliminate all bikes from a downtown area or eliminate all cars or eliminate all walking. Can't we all share the area, right? They want cars gone, period. They want only bikes and only uh, pedestrians to, to be in these downtown areas. And then they want that to be expanded over time, outside of the core, where it's just going to be buses or Ubers or or Lyfts or or whatever. So that's that's just that's that's my only concern there. That's that's so anyway. You can you can read that on uh, it's Marshall Zellinger with a Z uh, from Nine News Denver if you wanted to read more about his uh, his little article, which I thought was fairly interesting, especially the the pyramid. The food pyramid of traffic, if you will, where cars are the junk food. <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy right there. All right. Well, I know it's a shorter program than usual. I don't have a guest today. I'm working on something for next week. This is the time of year where I have two daughters with two birthdays that are back to back. One daughter, my younger daughter, has a, a birthday, and then uh, the week later, it's my older daughter who has her birthday. So it's a busy time. Plus, uh, I'm working on other stories, and all. so it's a, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a busy time for me around here in the, uh, in the basement and around the house. So uh, I will work on another. You know what I'm going to start to do is I think I'm going to start calling other traffic people again, and I think I'm going to do those uh, interviews again because I think those are pretty fun. And uh, it, it, I'm, I, I miss I miss talking to those to those other traffic folks and seeing what's going on in their towns. All right. Well, anyway, that's a, a short program here. Again, if you want to contact me, 303-832-0217 is the number. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.